Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, guys. It's really early for me. It's 6.30 in the morning for me right now, so... Uh, but I had two cups of coffee, so we should be okay. Uh, a couple things uh, you'll realize real quick about me. Uh, well, I guess one thing is I talk really fast. So if you're one of those people uh, that listen like your podcast on one and a half speed, any guys, folks? Like, yeah, uh, you're not gonna wanna do that today. Okay, so if you're listening to this on the podcast or online, uh, I realize you could do this on YouTube. Anybody know that? You can actually speed up YouTube. and you're, you ever watch YouTube videos, you're like, get to the point, man. You can just speed it up. All right, you're not gonna wanna do that today or I'm gonna, it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, no, I just, before we hop into the teaching, I just wanna uh, just say you gotta know your pastors are the real deal. They're the real deal. And some of you guys, I don't know what your church uh, history is like before you started coming to Elevate. For us, for our church down in Orange County, um, we, we've always felt we wanted to be a church for those who have given up on the idea of church, right? They, they didn't go to church because they used to go to church. You know what I mean? And so if, if that's uh, some of your background, you're always kind of a little skeptical. That's me. I'm a little skeptical of, of kind of people in general uh, because of probably trauma in my life. But if you guys are as skeptical in some way, you're like, I wonder what they're like off the stage. They're the exact same way off the stage for better or for worse. All right. So, so they, they're the real deal. Um, yeah. And I just want to tell Jeff and Jess, I'm so proud of you guys. I really am. I mean, I'm just sitting here like, I feel like a grandpa up here, like, oh, man, I'm just so proud of everything going on uh, here. Uh, we're going to hop into the teaching, and like I said, we're, I mean, I talk fast, so here we go. I, I think you can take in way more uh, than, uh, your, your ears can take in way more than your, maybe your, you think you can process. So uh, all I have to say, we'll dive in here. Uh, today is actually called Great Expectations. If you're taking notes, uh, Great Expectations. Because all of us have had expectations that have kind of been, uh, that, that haven't been met, right? Disappointment. Uh, people will, will let you down. Churches will let you down. Your boss will let you down. Your kids will let you down at times. You'll let your kids down, right? Your employees will let you down. And the reality, some of you guys have probably let people down already this morning, right? Let yourself down, let your family down, right? It's just part of life. And what we're gonna do, no pun intended, is we're gonna elevate the conversation. We're gonna, I, I, I promise, I didn't put that in there before because of elevate. But we are gonna elevate the conversation because sometimes we can think down here and it's like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, all these people, if they would jest, if, if they didn't, then, I, you know, it's not about that. We're gonna elevate the conversation because people have this you know, misconception, preconceived notions of what church is. That church is a, a, a certain speaker or church is a certain building or a certain brand, right? It's not, it's not like that. The church, the biblical word for church is ecclesia, right? Which technically means an assembly, a gathering, a body of faithful people. You are the church. Like this building could blow up. I hope it doesn't, but if it, especially right now, but if it were to blow up, Elevate wouldn't go away, right? Because you are the church. And so if you're the church, then what does God expect of you, right? So what did God have in mind at the beginning? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just walk through the book of Acts. This is gonna kind of be like a little old school Bible study, right? We're gonna walk through the book of Acts and more specifically, what were the actions of the first group of, the, of people that Jesus put into leadership? What were their priorities? What did they do? Who did they talk to? When they had the mic, what did they say? That's a really important thing. And throughout, throughout history, the mic has been passed down from Jesus to his followers and to their followers, to their followers, to their followers, right? And then it got down to you and me. 2,000 years later, on the other side of the planet, for this snapshot in time, we have the microphone. And sometimes we think our lives are really long. And James, Jesus' stepbrother, he talks about how our life is like a mist. 
Here today, go, you know, gone tomorrow. If you get, get like a thing of hairspray and just spray it, it'd be there in the air for like, you know, half a second, couple seconds, baby. That's how God views our lives. And some of us get caught, so caught up, it's like, if I can just get to this spot, if I can just get to this spot, we, we like put Jesus to the side. We put our faithfulness in so many areas to the side because we just want to get to this spot. And God's like, man, your life is like that. And so you have a few moments in time. We have a few moments in time where we're, you know, on this side of the dirt. What are you going to do with it? This is what this whole thing is about. So we're going to look at some of the decisions of the first century church. And then we're going to ask a couple questions at the very end of today. We're going to talk about, at the very end, like it's like an eight-hour sermon. It's not, uh, at the very end of today, after a couple lunch breaks. No, we're going to ask two questions. Are you the church you expected the church to be? I'm not saying your church hurt or your whatever isn't real. I'm saying, are you the church? that you expected the church to be, right? And then the second question, if we are the church, what does God expect of us? We're gonna ask those things at the end. So we're gonna start with Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says this, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this is Jesus speaking, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus tells his disciples, or gathers them together and he tells them four places that the gospel's gonna go. First, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like New York City to these guys and gals. Most of these, this crew is from Galilee, a, a, a ways up north, a few days' journey up north. And so they're like from upstate New York, kind of like in the boonies. And this got, Jesus said, the first place you're gonna reach is New York City. This seemed impossible to them, right? Also, do you know where they were at that time? Jerusalem. So Jesus is also saying, start where you are. Some of us wanna be faithful there. And God's like, yeah, but you're not there yet. Why don't you be faithful where you're at? Some of us want God to tell us some new thing for us to do. And God's like, do the last thing I told you first. Right? No, no, God, I don't want to, I will have Bible, so I'll pray about that, but give, tell me something else to do. Right? So be faithful where you're at first, Jerusalem. And then the next one is Judea. Judea is a surrounding area around. So we say, hey, when you reach New York City, then just reach that whole area, even Jersey, like everywhere. Right? Reach that whole area, Judea. And then he says, reach Samaria. And Samaria is like, they, they're kind of half-breeds. They're kind of like, hey, we don't hang out with those. But my mom said, if I ever bring a Samaritan home to dinner, like these are those people. I don't know how you were raised, but you know, every family kind of has like those people. I don't know who those people are for you. Jesus goes, hey, there's some people that you said that were out. They're not out. They're just as in as you are. And I love them just as much as I love you. So hey, go reach them and bring them home to dinner. Who cares what mom says, right? <laughs> honor your parents, but honor God too. So he says, Go reach out to those people. And then when you're done with all of that, go to the ends of the earth. You realize we're part of the ends of the earth, right? They did this. That's why we're here. And so this faith that we believe in from the very beginning isn't for one color. It's not for one demographic. It's not for one tax bracket. It's not for one political party. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And so we have to believe like Romans 1.16 where Paul says, it's news I'm most proud to proclaim this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone Everyone, even people that don't vote like you, right? Even the people that post stuff on social and you're going, what? Did you do like drugs this morning? Like, what are you saying? Even those people, everyone who trusts them, starting with the Jews, right on to everybody else. So think about this. Jesus sends these disciples with no money, no connections, nothing. It's crazy. It's dumb. They have no money. They have no resources. They don't, it's not like, oh, here's some connections. I know some people. 
These men and women just gave up three years of their lives to follow Jesus, and now he's leaving them, leaving them. Imagine if Jeff and Jess started this, this church for three years. He goes, okay, you guys run it now. Like, I'm sorry, what? Right? Impossible, except for one thing. It worked. It worked. So when Jesus told them this and then ascended, imagine if the disciples got together and were like, yeah, no way. I got stuff I'm doing. Like, I got plans. The, the career path I'm on, I can, I not, it's not a good time for me right now. But they go, no, no, we're in. We're in all the way. I don't know about you, but aren't you thankful the disciples took him up on that challenge? We're here today because of it. And what, what they did end up being written down in the book of Acts. Acts is just short for Acts of the Apostles, which literally just means this is what they did. That's a, bet, it's a, it's a dumber title. If they was called, hey, open your books, your Bibles to this is what they did. You know, so the Acts of the Apostles, that's what it's called. So it, it, if you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 29, what you're gonna find out is there's no Acts chapter 29. Some of you guys like, started flipping right away. You're like, oh, sword drill. Like, we're gonna do this real quick, right? So you guys remember that? It's like, you grew up in church, like, sword drill. I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, but if you open up your Bible to Acts chapter 29, you're gonna realize there's no Acts chapter 29. And the weird thing is about Acts is that it ends really abruptly because the whole idea is that it was, the story never ended, right? We're still writing it. So the big question is, are you gonna be a part of writing Acts chapter 29? Are you a part of it? Because we're supposed to be. You know that Jesus didn't die on the cross so we can like sit in chairs for an hour and a half and sing Christian karaoke and listen to a TED Talk once a week? That's not what we're doing here, right? That's what some people are doing. So can we commit to being a, can you commit to being a person? Can we commit to being a church that, that God would write about? Right? Or we can just do some services, up to you. Right? So here's how Acts is broken up. There's uh, Acts 1 that we just talked about. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's kind of a, a framework for how it works. And then from time to time, there's like these summarizing verses that summarize kind of a section of the book of Acts. And we're going to look through a few of those and talk about what implications it has for us. So the first verse is Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Uh, this is where the Holy Spirit fell. And Peter gives like this amazing message. And then it says this. It says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. So, church begins to explode. Thousands on the first day. Thousands. And <laughs> some people are like, oh, I, ha I hate megachurch. And look, man, our church in, in, in California is not a megachurch, okay? Uh, it's, we're just, we're, we're happy to be there. We're just, we're just having fun out there, all right? So, so uh, the church begins to explode. From day one was a megachurch. But I want you to add, note, take notice of them. You can put, keep the verse up there. Who added to the church? Who added to the church? Did it say, man, Peter hired this outside company, incredible rebranding. Man, if you saw their Insta, I mean, it was so cool. If, if, if Peter would have this, this great storytelling, he would end with a sad story, and the, the drama team came up, the lights and the haze. When people saw the way, like, the light beams, it was like, oh, they just fell to their knees and surrendered to the Lord, right? <laughs> Didn't say that. It says that God, God's at work. And the reason why that's so important is it takes a huge burden off of us. I mean, how many, how many of you have ever held back from telling a friend about God at work or a coworker or like someone on like a sports team or at your gym because you're like, I'm gonna mess this whole thing up. I didn't go to school for this. They're gonna ask me a question. I'm gonna look stupid. I'm gonna make Jesus look stupid. So I'm not even gonna start the conversation, right? Jesus never said to not make any mistakes. We'll all make mistakes. It's actually a funny story. It's a true story about this woman who uh, went through just a bunch of stuff and her favorite verse is 1 John 4, 18. 
Some of you guys, it's an important verse to you. It says that, that uh, there's no fear in love, right? Because perfect love drives out fear. Right, huge verse for her. So her small group for her birthday uh, got her a cake. And they told the baker, put 1 John 4.18 on it. But the baker wasn't really a church person. So instead of putting 1 John 4.18, he puts John 4.18, which innocent mistake, right? I think, I think a lot of people would have done that. The problem is John 4.18 is a totally different verse. John 4.18 says, the fact is you've had five husbands and the, man you, and the man you now have is not even your husband, right? So different vibe, different vibe, different message, right? <clears throat> but look, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I bet they didn't forget about that party for a while, right? She sure didn't. Here's the deal. Jesus never said to not make mistakes. Some of us are so paralyzed by fear. Look, do you know how, how you know if your friend does CrossFit? Do you know how, if your friend does, how you know if your friend does Orange Theory or hot goat yoga or whatever they're doing, right? Do you know how you know they're, or they're vegan, right? Do you know how they know? They tell you. Right? Whether you want in every conversation goes back to that. You know those people. You know who sells Tupperware in your group, right? <laughs> because every conversation goes back to that. No offense, if you sell Tupperware, we have a table in the back. No, right? You, you know it, right? And they don't have some class, well, Tupperware people do, but like, they don't have class at the end of hot goat yoga. It's like, okay, look, here's like the path. Your friend brings up this, here's what you say. And then you bring it back to yoga, right? <laughs> They don't have that. Do you know why they talk about it? Because it's a big part of their life. Right? So don't worry about not make, or, or making mistakes. Benjamin Zander, you guys know who Benjamin Zander is? He is the, uh, well, he was the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. So he, he leads, or he led some of the most incredible musicians in the world. And he believed that what paralyzed them or what caused them to mess up and play rigid was fear right? Fear of messing up. So this was his rule. I mean, these are not like children. These are the best musicians in the world. And one of his, one of his rules were if you were, if they were practicing a piece and you mess up, right? Your job was to stand up, raise your hand. And if you see someone raising their hand, you stop. Everyone stops, looks at the person. And then you have to say, fascinating. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You have to say, Fascinating. And it just takes the fear out of it. It's like, wow, that was a really interesting uh, reimagining of this piece, what you just played right there. Fascinating. And we as a church should always be going, fascinating. Man, we tried that. That was dumb. We should not have done that, right? We shouldn't have tried those service times or that event or, wow, we learn things, right? Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Right, so we learn, so we always should be saying, fascinating. Man, I don't know why I said that. Fascinating. Don't leave the church, right? We're gonna try again next week, right? Fascinating, right? Hey, for real, right? I, I asked Jeff, I was like, what's, what's stuff I can't say? He goes, there's nothing. There's nothing that they haven't heard. So, yeah, so fascinating. Next verse is this, Acts chapter six, uh, verse seven says this. God's message was preached in ever-widening circles. The believers, or a number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So there's, there's growth, but not just anybody. Who's getting saved? Priests. Priests, these were the last people to get saved because they're leaders in another religious system. So here's the question. Who have you said no for? Who have you said no for? Who in your circle of influence that you've said, man, they would never come to my church. They never come to my small group. They would never come. The problem is you've never let them in on the conversation. 
right? You've decided it for them. Oh, they're too busy, or they got too much stuff going on, or they're just not a church person, or they're just going through something right now, and you've never let them in on the conversation. You've spoken for them. Let me ask you another question. Who's too far for God to reach? Across this room are impossible stories, aren't there? Like, if some of your high school friends or your old friends saw you today, you'd be like, no way. Are you kidding me? They go to church? Really? Look, no one's too far for God to reach. Next verse, Acts chapter, one, Acts chapter 8 says this. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles fled into Judea and Samaria. But the believers who fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. So a couple thoughts on these verses. You can keep the verse up there. It's happening just as Jesus said. They're going out to Judea and Samaria to preach the gospel, right? But second thought is this. What got them to be obedient to Jesus? Persecution. And this isn't a persecution like, oh, I'm being persecuted. I got made fun of at the lunch table. Okay, they're like being like systematically executed. A little different, right? So pain, pain. I'm not saying God brings pain into our lives. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, but I believe that God can use it, right? So also, look who's being sent. Look who's being sent. It's not the apostles, it's the lay leaders, Theologian Michael Green says it this way. He says, one of the most striking features of evangelism in the early days was the people who engaged in it. Communicating the faith was not the preserve of the very zealous or the officially delegated evangelist. Evangelism was the prerogative and the duty of every church member. So here's the question. Who's got the job? Who's got the job? Well, I just, I just bring them to church and then, and then Pastor Jeff tells them, no, no, no. Who's got the job? You do. You do. God has people in your world that he wants to reach through you. Do you know what's so funny? By the time, like, I'll meet people at, at the gym. Obviously, I go all the time. Um, you're like, you probably should go a little more, a little, just a little more. Uh, but I'll go to the gym, and people will be, like, super normal to me. And then they'll find I'm a pastor, and they'll be like, I'm sorry for everything I just said. Like, when we were deadlifting, man. And they, they put up a front. When they find out I'm a pastor, I don't get the real them anymore. And I'm like, no, no, be you, right? So that's the same way. You can reach people. Because God can't engage with who we pretend to be, right? With only who we actually are. And unfortunately, by the time people talk to Jeff and Jess or any other pastor on the team, they're like, oh, gotta put my church face on. But they're real with you, right? And so that's where God can work. So anyways, God wants to reach people through you. Next verse, Acts chapter nine. says this, the church had, then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Interesting. And it grew in strength and numbers. The believers were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's a number that, or a word that comes up over and over again in the book of Acts, and it's numbers. 12 disciples, 120 in the upper room, about 3,000 uh, came to the church that very first day. It's a really dumb question, but how do you think they knew how many people were there? Somebody counted. Some intern was like, oh, okay, one, two, three, four, here's your coffee, what, you know what? Just kidding. Uh, I've been there. I've, got, I mean, I've gone on a lot of coffee runs, right? There's this idea around the church that sounds really spiritual at first, right? It sounds something like, hey, we're not into numbers around here. We're into quality, not quantity, right? It sounds super spiritual until you actually think about it a little bit, right? Because we gotta be clear about something. They're not numbers, they're people. You're not a number. You're a person, right? With hopes and dreams and hurt and all sorts of things, right? If, if, if I went on vacation and I came back with one less kid, <laughs> right? And you'd be like, Taka, are you stressed about it? No, not really. Like, look, we're into quality. And, and like, I'm not saying anything about that one, but 
I mean, if any kid was gonna go, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that would kind of be the one, you know what I mean? I mean, it's crazy to think about, right? What, why, why are you so caught up in numbers, man? We're into quality, not quantity around here. Look, I want every single one of my kids, I, I actually have like 15 of them, every single one of my kids to come, the same number we leave with as, as the number I want to come home with most of the time, right? So here's the question, who matters to God? Who matters to God? Every single person you'll ever meet is someone that Jesus died for. Every single person you'll ever meet, even the crazy ones, they're all people that Jesus died on the cross for, just like you. Next verse, Acts chapter 13, verse 48. It says, when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were appointed to eternal life became believers. So we see a shift. Not only are people going out because of persecution, they're going out because they're choosing to go out. So the question is this, what's at stake? What's at stake? The answer is eternity. Like we gotta be really clear about what we're about here as a church. We're not here just to sing some songs and listen to a talk and go home. This is not about just getting together and being inspired, right? It's not about just wearing some cool church swag because I'm a part of that cool church. We're not chasing cool here. Eternity is on the line, right? What we have to offer people is not our intelligence, not our, it's not our facilities, not our motivational messages. What we have to offer people is the opportunity to live in a relationship with God. The reality of his presence, the beautiful gift of the cross and the hope of resurrection, this is what we have to believe in. This is what we have to offer people. And if you got something better to do than to be a part of that, then you should go do that. But we gotta be clear, eternity is on the line. The last verse I wanna look at is Acts chapter 28, verse 30. And then in your Bibles, it probably has something like uh, Paul preaches at Rome under guard or something like that. So here's the situation. Paul is in, on house arrest uh, in Caesar's palace, not in Vegas, but you know, in a totally different situation. So it says this uh, in verse 30. It says, for the next few years, Paul lived in his own rented house. It's like Martha Stewart prison, okay? It's a little different uh, situation, but it is technically prison, okay? He's probably got cable TV. He's got a little laptop. It's, you know, it's, it's a different kind of deal. So, for the next few years, Paul lived in his own rented house. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God with all boldness and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. So he's on house arrest, and the way it worked uh, in, that, in the first century was there would be a soldier chained to the prisoner. Uh, they didn't have like anklets, you know, like for like proximity sensors, so they would be chained to a Roman soldier. And then a lot of times, you'll see like in the book of uh, Philippians, stuff like that, Paul would write these letters, and they would, uh, he would say, you know, I'm writing from Caesar's palace, or from the prison or whatever, he would write these prison epistles. And so they would be chained to Paul, and then after their shift, another soldier would take over and chain himself to Paul as he's writing these letters. So how many people do you think heard the gospel? Right? And what's so fascinating, what I love about this, in, in, the, in the letter to uh, the church in Philippi, Philippians, uh, Paul writes this. At the very end, he says, give my greetings to all the Christians here, there in, in Philippi. The brothers who are with me here send you their greetings. And all the other Christians send their greetings too, especially those who work in Caesar's palace. Well, that's weird, isn't it? You have Caesar who claims to be a god, right? Yet there's a lot of Christians in his ranks. Paul's in jail for preaching about Jesus. And there's people that are being paid or just work for Caesar somehow, that are now following Jesus too. 
How do you think there ended up being Christians in Caesar's palace? See, there are these guys chained to Paul. And they thought Paul was their prisoner. And they had it a little backwards. So here's the last question I want you to think about. What have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? Some of us have such a hard time giving God even just a fraction of our lives. We'll work our butts off for granite countertops. Right? We'll sacrifice so much to level up in house, to buy a newer car. The stuff that we'll do for a few more likes, a few more internet points <laughs> from people that we don't even care about, What in the world is worth giving up everything for? So you have the mic. You have the mic. A hundred years from now, no one will even know that you existed. Think about that. For the vast majority of us, no one will ever even knew, know we were alive. One day, your great-great-great-grandkids will do 23 and me, and they'll like go, there was someone named this that was, you know. That's the extent of how much they'll know you. What are you saying with your life? What message is everyone receiving that passes by you? People at work, your kids, your neighbors, your friends, what do they think your life is all about? We as a church family have the mic for a short amount of time. At some point, this room will be filled with totally different people. What are they gonna say about us? But when we had the microphone, when we were Elevate Church, what are they going to say what we were all about? If the Bible were still being written today, what would, would you be a person that God would write about? Would you be a family God would write about? A church that God would write about? Or are you just going to have a bunch of potential because you just live for a bunch of other things that really didn't matter? I don't know about you, but I'm all in. I'm all in. This is why we planted a church in Orange County. Because we're like, there's a lot of people leaving the state it's really expensive on every level. And it's not even post-Christian, it's anti-Christian at this point. It's probably not possible. We call our church the great experience. We don't even know if it's gonna work. But we're, we're gonna try. Because someone sacrificed for me to be here, right? Everything is sacrificed so that you could have your seat and now it's your turn. So what are you doing with your life so that one day... Months, years, decades from now, someone's like, because of them, I'm here today. So, like I said, we're gonna elevate the conversation. We can start with, man, how has the church let you down? But I'm gonna end with the same two questions I told you I was going to. Are you the church that you expected the church to be? We'll talk, I'm not a staff member here at Elevate. No, no, no. You are the church. The church isn't the Instagram account. The church is not the brand. It's not the website. It's not who's on staff. You are the church. So you can't let yourself off the hook. If you are the church, are you the church that you expected the church to be? Well, the church doesn't take us. Are you the church that you expect the church to be? Well, church doesn't reach out to the community, okay? Are you the church that you expected the church to be? The church doesn't love people that aren't like them, okay? Are you the church that you expected the church to be? Right? And then if we are the church, what does God expect of us? Because I'll tell you what God's not going to say is at the end of all this, well done, good and faithful servant, your lights were so cool. Right? 
I'm not saying those things are bad. I love cool lights, right? I'm just saying that there's gonna be some other things that Jesus goes probably is more important. And if you have to choose one, have the cool lights, have the cool whatever, but also do some other stuff too, like tell people about me, right? So, I hope I didn't step on your toes too much. I wanna pray for us, but I wanna challenge, I hope this, one of the things we tell our church all the time is I hope that the teachings bother you. We wanna give you something to talk about at lunch, or in this case, brunch. Right? I wanna give you something to talk about. I hope it keeps you up at night. I hope it really, honestly, I hope it really bothers you. You're like, I don't know. I don't want you to be able to just go to church. It's not, God wants to do more in you than that. There's a better story in you than that. You can live in a way where people can lie at your funeral or, they, or you can live in a different way. What do you want them to say? When you're six feet under, they're not gonna talk about your car. They're not gonna talk about where you lived and how many awards or letters you had after your name. They're not gonna talk about how cool you were. Think about the people that make the most difference in your life. They probably weren't that cool. So, and if God can use them, God can use you. Honestly, honestly. So, let me pray for us. Invite God into this space. Uh, and then we can uh, dismiss whatever we're gonna do. So, let me pray. God, we just thank you. Thank you that this whole thing doesn't depend on our goodness, but on your goodness. Thank you that you can use messed up people like us to reach a bunch of other messed up people. We're all broken, God. We all, we, we're not mistakers in need of a teacher. We're broken sinners in need of a savior. All of us. God, I pray for humility. I pray that you would shake some of us awake. Some of us have just, not bad, we've just fell asleep. We got distracted, we got caught up. God, we don't wanna live that way anymore. We wanna live a life that makes a difference. We wanna live a life that echoes an eternity. We want to live a life that matters. We want to live a life that brings a smile to your face. We, want, we don't want to just play church, God. We don't want to just attend services. For any of my friends in this room that don't know you right now, for whatever reason, God, I pray that would you draw them back to you? Would they see your goodness? Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? God, I pray for Elevate Church that the best days would be ahead. God, would you reach people that no one ever thought would ever go to church through this church family? Would you activate every single person in this church to be a part of your mission? We're not trying to build a brand or build a local church. We're building your kingdom. I pray that this church be known for being loving and humble and teachable and real people. We don't want to believe in hype, God. We do believe in the reality of your hope. We commit our lives to you, every breath from this moment till the last. We commit every breath to you. Make a difference. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, get real loud for Pastor Taka. Weren't you blessed? 
Listen, it's one of my favorite things to hear from outside voices, and what a word of wisdom. Just, I mean, I've known Taka for so long, but it's been a long time since I've sat and heard you, and you are just so full of grace and wisdom, and you're funny. Like, you're so funny. I forgot how funny you are when you speak. Can you get real loud one more time for Pastor Taka? It is such, thank you. Hey, we love you. Take this word. Let it wrestle in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And let's reach the world. Amen? Come on. We're so excited about what God's doing here. And we're so excited that you're here and a part of it. We love you. We love you. Come on, we're praying. Father, we love you. We bless your people. We thank you for them. Lord, we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal this truth to them. That you would speak new vision, new dreams, new plans, new identity to them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you highlight people at work, highlight people at the gym, baristas, Lord, to speak to, to talk to about you, Jesus. God, we worship you, we bless you, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We love you, we love you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.